It took a big chunk It's bleeding. It's bleeding. Oh no, it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello again, everyone, and thanks for joining us on Eddie and Steve-O, uh, the podcast, after an exciting opening weekend in the Betfred Super League. I must say, by the way, every time I hear the opening to this programme, it creases me up. That day at Nosley Safari Park will live forever in my memory. But anyway, back to the real stuff. It was a bit like the Magic Weekend, wasn't it? All six games live on Sky Sports, and same again to come. This Easter weekend on Thursday, Friday and Saturday, the old formal double rounds of the Easter holidays are now no more, it seems. Better for the players, I suppose. So we should see some great games again this coming weekend. Right into the chat, away from all of that. And the next half hour or so, we are with our old pal Steve-O, who is 12,000 miles away in Australia, of course, but still keeping tabs on all things rugby league. Trust we find you well, Michael, today. Michael, what's all, what's all this about? You've called, you've called me other things and Steve-O for, I don't know, what, 30-odd years, and now it's Michael. It's great down here because of one thing. We had 17 days where it rained, monsoon. We would not believe it, and we have had three days of lovely sunshine. Good, good. Well, the weather has changed here as well. We have got to spring has sprung and the sun is starting to shine. Right, listen, the government is ploughing money into the Rugby Football League. The Culture Secretary, Oliver Dowden, uh, made the Challenge Cup draw in Warrington the other day, and he pledged a further, get this, £16.7 million loan to protect Rugby League through the winter phase of the government's sports survival package. Now, this is on top of the £16 million they granted in emergency support last year, £1.5 million in grant aid to community clubs, £500,000 from Sport England, and also, of course, they've uh, just got involved with the National Lottery to support the women's game, and £25 million has already been pledged to support the World Cup. I mean, the game at rugby football league level is awash with cash. And so it should be. That look, it's it's a great game, rugby league, and for once, all this money is coming in because we need it. We need it for the junior development. We need it for like my old my old club, Shawcross. They need the money. They are desperate for the money, and the government have, have realised that all sports have it, and that sort of money is absolutely fantastic. They can still call it Super League, but let's get back to one administration. Join Super League and the Rugby Football League. Get together. Well, I know that is a call that you have made many, many times in the past, and a lot of people will agree with you, but all of this government money will not be going to the Super League clubs, and their survival, obviously, is absolutely vital as well. So Super League needs some sort of marketing arm. They need some sort of... Uh, arrangement where they can go to sponsors, they can go to TV broadcasters, they can go to, I don't know, whoever they want to go to to try and get sponsorship. So can the two things move hand in glove? Well, the most important factor is that a lot of people don't understand 
Super League, they want the best players. And do you know where the best players come from? They come from the junior development. They come from the clubs, the amateur clubs. And they've left the amateur clubs absolutely skint. There are so many of these clubs just going to the wall. And now we'll be able to save them. And these people that run Super League, they've got to understand one thing. Without junior development, we don't have a game. We don't have these young kids coming through. We've got to get together and pull together and get Rugby League back on the level plane. Okay, Steve-O has spoken. I wonder if they will listen. On to the big kickoff. I mean, the one thing that struck me, Steve-O, so many of the clubs in Super League were missing star players through injury. I mean, or they're not fully fit yet. They've not come back from Australia in time, all that sort of business. I mean, I could go through the list. It is endless. But big names like Greg Inglis, uh, Jackson Hastings, Bevan French, you know, they weren't there. The, the, the star names weren't there and the clubs had to battle on regardless. I tell you what, though, it was a cracking opening weekend. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Uh, I, I saw every single game. I was fascinated by the way that they were playing. There was some very, very good rugby league. There was a few disappointments. I think people were understanding that they had new coaches and all that sort of thing. I thought that uh, the great battle be, be, between Castleford and, and Warrington, both their coaches are going elsewhere at the end of the season. We don't know. Are they going to swap? <laughs> it wouldn't <laughs> surprise me. And anyway, Powell, Powell was happy because they played exceptionally well. But what a weird sort of round it was, wasn't it? We expected so much from Huddersfield. They did not deliver. Taking nothing away. But they just did not deliver. I know it's the first round, and I know things will probably improve. But they have to. They do. Let, let, let's talk about the games in detail. We'll take them in chronological order. We'll have a, a couple of seconds about each one of them. Uh, first of all, St. Excuse Helens. Excuse me. Yes. Excuse me, Eddie. Yes. Chronological. Does that mean uh, start to the finish or first? Cor cor to correct. Correct. From oh. the game that oh, kicked well, it I'm off to the game that finished <laughs> The weekend. I'll spell it for you. St. <laughs> Helens were first into action and they ended up the biggest winners of the weekend by 23 points against Salford. Saints going for three titles in a row. Now, that's never been done at Super League level before. Well, I tell you what, it's going to take a damn good club to beat them. They are hot favourites. They have got such a well-balanced side. And they always look toward bringing in youngsters. It's not a shock. They know. They prepare them. They do them well. They do it. They do it absolutely sensational. And it proves it, doesn't it? Okay. People would say, well, they were mighty lucky to win last year's grand final. But luck's got nothing to do with it. They know how to play rugby league. They've got a brilliant side. Good forwards. Good three quarters. They know what it's all about. And also, they've got a damn good coach. Hot favourites. I can't see anybody beating them. Well, there you go. That's a massive prediction. Salford, I think they might be in for a, a long, hard season. Richard Marshall, though, the new coach there, he'll hope not, won't he? Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult, to it, certainly when you've got to think about the fact that uh, if he's following on from a coach that was extremely successful. They really were good. But there again, Huddersfield, they were disappointing. It's an amazing turnaround for both of them. But you're right, Marshall is going to have to do some magic. 
Uh, Wigan against Lee. Now, Lee, everybody's, and this includes you, the, the tip to go down at the first attempt. They led, Steve-O, as you saw, 18-0 after 27 minutes. They might have been 24-0 ahead had poor old Joe Mellor not knocked on with the line gaping oh, the- and unguarded. Oh, what a turning point that was. Was it ever? The, the knock-on, and it really didn't have to panic. And that's all it was. He panicked. He could have just virtually stopped, picked the ball up, but he tried to take it on the full, and as it turned out, there was a complete turnaround. Wigan got a, got some points on the board, and I always felt, I think, oh, no. They're going to do it. They're going to do it. And they did. They picked. But listen, how encouraging is it for Lee? They came out of the blocks. And if they can do that continually, then they may be able to survive. As you say, they're odds on to go down. They are with a lot of people. A lot of people. Wigan, the only side to claw back a lead at half time and win in the whole round. But there was a. A big black spot for them. Um, Jai Field, the much-vaunted uh, signing from Australia, a hamstring tear, and it's been announced, Stebo, he's out with this. It's a hell of a tear of his hamstring. He's out for five months now. That's a huge blow. Yeah, it certainly is. Uh, it, it's unfortunate for that. But it, it also comes about because there's a lot of speculation down here in Australia that West Tigers, they are ultra-keen to get Jackson Hastings back from Wigan. Evidently, the managers have had discussions, and who knows? Don't tell me he's going back to Australia. Well, Wigan won't let him go, unless West's come up with a you know a massive transfer fee. I'm sure Wigan will resist, won't they? Well, they should do, but the point is, money talks all languages these days, and uh, they, they are in a lot of trouble in regards to the, to the injuries. Now, talking about the injuries down here in Australia, there have been so many over the first three rounds that teams are actually finishing the games with no substitutes, uh, finishing with 12 fit players, 11 fit players, and the coaches and the players are blaming the new rules, etc., for a bit of a burnout. So much so that they are now wanting to do what the Australian uh, football down in Melbourne, they have brought in two extra substitutes and they want to bring another 18th man for an injured player. They've 17 now, of course, but they want to bring in another sub. And the pressure is on because so many injuries over the first three weeks. And I reckon that that is not a bad idea. Well, they had 19 serious injuries, they say, in Australia in round three. Seven of them concussion-related, and they're all pointing the finger at these concussion-related injuries. As far as I'm aware, you put me right, it's for the concussion problem as well as the the usual bits and pieces that go on in a match. Yeah, that is a problem that we're having at the moment, but also the fact that a a lot of the referees uh, are, are missing some of these high shots. There is some really bad high shots going on in the game at the moment. That's and in Australia. Up, yeah, and it, it's up to the officials to sort it all out. And it's not going to be easy for them because it's so fast. Everybody's running at 100 mile an hour. 
You know, it's three drives, quick play the ball, kick to the corner. You know, the defences are, are up so quickly. And the contact, oh, it, it, it's like having a, a road crash. Unbelievable, some of the contact. And it doesn't surprise me that you see players just wobbling all over the place on the field of play. And as you say, so many injuries in round three. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed that that doesn't come up here into the Super League. I don't mean the 18th man. I mean all the injuries. We, we, we can do without them. Uh, let's get back to the programme. Wakefield. Wakefield against Leeds. Now, Trinity gave the Rhinos a real fright here. And Tom Johnston, uh, two tries. He grabbed the headlines with a fantastic display. Coach uh, for England, Sean Wayne, will have taken note, I'm sure. A man of the match display from Tom on the losing side. He's something special, isn't he, this fella? Yeah, it certainly is. And I mean, uh, I know he had problems last year with a few injuries. And, and remember, we discussed who would be picked for England in the World Cup. And guess who I picked on the wing? <laughs> the fella that you've mentioned. Because he is. He is special. He is. It would be good with him on one side and um, and Tommy Tommy Makinson on the other, wouldn't it, for England in the World Cup? Well, let's not forget a guy that, uh, at his debut for Hull Kingston Rovers, couldn't score a try for Toffee down in Australia and yet finished up with a hat-trick. Okay, on the losing side. So he's not out of the equation, is he? He isn't. You're talking about Ryan Hall. I'm glad you mentioned him because Catalan and Hulkingston Rovers is the next match we're going to look at. Um, a Catalan win in golden point extra time. A hat-trick from that man, Ryan Hall, on his Rovers debut. He didn't score a single try in two years in the NRL. I know he was injury ravaged <laughs> a little bit, but, you know, fantastic. Well, I, I can remember watching him trying his damnedest to get over that try line. In one of the games, he actually did get over there and the referee pulled him back for a forward pass. But I always blame the centres as well. You need good centres. And let's face it, you know, the Morris brothers for the Roosters, they score so many tries. And I used to say to myself, they don't pass to him. Is it because he's a pom? I don't know. <laughs> Either way. But at least it came good. All right, they didn't win. But what a fight back in the second half. I mean, Catalan looked as though they had the game all wrapped up. Did they, did. they put the queue on the rack? Who knows? Well, I I'll wonder. Tell you what, they were lucky to get away with it with the eight ball, weren't they? They were. I mean, <laughs> but mind you, you've got to credit Rovers for the fight back, haven't you? They were uh, four points to 28 down, 16 minutes to go. Rovers hit back to level it. And then James Maloney's drop goal won it. It was a... It was a a frantic and a, a, a tremendous game to watch. But Golden Point, not popular with the purists, Steve-O. Social media posts over here calling for the game to scrap it, to scrap it altogether. Why? Well, they think a draw at the end of 80 minutes is a fair result. Yeah, but we've, we've, we've changed. We've moved on from that. We've moved on to a situation. Um, is everybody... Everybody's saying, oh, well, you know, bring back the scrums. Look, look, the rules and regulations are there. And let's not forget, we've just discussed how so many players having fatigue, getting knocked out, wobbling all over the pitch. The game's a lot faster now. So therefore, you have to be ultra fit. So if you're not fit, at the end of a game, that's when you can win a game. You can score the points on it. And, and I think it's, it's good for the players that they don't have to play extra time 
you can get it over and done with within one minute. And that's what that's what happened. And talking about James Maloney's field goal, here's another one that's expected and been wanted to come back to Australia. The Sydney Roosters, they have problems with their two halfbacks, especially Keary. Now, Keary, evidently, he could be out for the entire season. And the rumours, the speculation has already started that James Maloney is being chased by the Sydney Roosters because they don't have a proper halfback. Will he go? Will money tempt him? Catalans will want something back, surely. There's a theme developing here, Steve-O. The Australians, who must have hundreds of young players, hundreds, they get in trouble with injuries and they decide they're going to come over here and they're going to pick the best that Super League has to offer. Do, do, do they not realise where you live at the moment? Do they not realise that we have a competition going on up here that, as far as we are concerned, is just as important, if not more important, than the flipping NRL? The NRL, the Australians, could not give a monkey's doodah <laughs> in regards to the players in England. If they are in strife, they don't want to push an inexperienced youngster into that position. Let's remember one thing. You look at key players. Forget about the forwards other than the hooker. He's the key man at the dummy half. The two halfbacks, they are the players that can control the game, both in kicking, collecting, passing the ball, getting the moves all organised. They are so important. So they don't want to risk it. And that's why they're saying, well, you didn't want us a couple of years ago, so they come over to, to England and France, and now we've got the injuries, they want them back. But it's the same old story, Eddie. They have got so much money down here that they don't care about would it leave, <laughs> would it leave Catalans in a mess? Would uh, Hastings leave Wigan in a mess? If the money's there... The two clubs might say, well, it's worth it. We'll take a transfer fee. Well, I think Catalan and Wigan should stand up to them. I really do. And I think the game in this country should stand up to them as well. Um, talking of, of uh, young players, uh, there's a 22-year-old Frenchman. Now, I'm going to attempt his, his name here. Matthew Laguerre. He got his chance uh, given to him by Steve McNamara in the game against Hulkingston Rovers, and he walked away with the, the Man of the Match award. And, and McNamara says there are more French youngsters to come. That all goes well for them. Well, it's about time, isn't it? Uh, there was a, a period for the over the last two seasons where there was a sort of an influx from English players going down to Perpignan. And I was wary about the fact that are they just going to ignore their youngsters? that are playing in the junior development down in France. And evidently, they have not ignored them. And as you say, McNamara is pretty confident that he's got not just Laguerre to pull through, who, I must say, had a fine game. He was a bit nervous to start with, and why not? But he looks the goods. OK, we move on to Sunday now. Hull against Huddersfield. Giants, of course, much fancy. People tipping them up here, steve for the top three. But Hull... Very impressive. New coach, Brett Hodgson. But a note of caution, uh, they started really well last year too and then they fell away. This time, 
the black and whites have got to keep it up if they can. I think that watching that game, I was impressed by their discipline. So often the black and whites over the, what shall we say, the late last two seasons, uh, they've been very good going forward, very good with position. And then they come up with so many errors, missed tackles, but they didn't miss hardly any tackles against Huddersfield. And quite frankly, I thought the new coach, Hodgson, had them all fired up. But the most important thing was their defence. They moved up so quickly and they moved as a unit. And quite frankly, Huddersfield, all expecting that the new coach is going to come out with these, these set patterns, these set moves, they were not allowed to do that. And fair play, fair play to the black and whites. They, they played exceptionally well. They did. I mean, it was a disappointing start for, for Ian Watson. He's gone over there with a fantastic reputation, of course, to the Giants. Uh, again, injuries and, and players a little bit underdone might have played their part, but um, uh, I'm, I'm sure that Huddersfield will improve under him. Oh, yeah, of course they will. Look, <laughs> he's a great coach. He's, he's been proven that way. And I just say it, the key factors, I keep getting back to it, hookers and the two halfbacks. And maybe the fullbacks. They are the four key positions in our game at the moment. The way that it's being played, the way that there's a lot more action, a lot more speed, a lot more room to move, providing the opposition don't get the defence. And it looked to me as though Hull had got the defence very, very good indeed. But I, I can't see, I cannot see Huddersfield struggle right the way through throughout the season because they've got a good coach they'll come back don't worry last match Cass against Warrington we, we've talked about it briefly Daryl Powell wanting to end on a, a high note in 2021 well he started on a high note as well lots of lots of rumours he ducked the question about um, where he's going to be next year is he going to be still coaching he said well I hope so but who knows is he coming to Warrington, Steve? Oh, come on, you're the king of the rumours. Is he? Is Daryl Powell on the way? Well, it was ironic, wasn't it, that they the first up game was <laughs> against the, against the team that that he would have said no. Look again, rumours, speculation. We don't you're, know. You're king of them. Come on, is it? Is I know. Powell, I know. Is Daryl Powell coming to Warrington? He had Stephen Price leaving Warrington. Back end of last season, you approve right. So everyone wants to know what the oracle from Australia says. Is Daryl on his way to the Wolves? No. <laughs> I reckon I reckon that Daryl wants to come to Australia and even become a better coach, which is going to be difficult because he's done good there at the Tigers. He really has shaped it down. But I think... I think he's had a look at his future and it would not surprise me if he comes down in a capacity as an assistant coach to come down to Australia. All in all, I, did, I, I was impressed with, with some of the quality of the play that, that was on display on the, on the first round. They weren't and in Warrington, let me tell you. That, that my pals in Warrington have come up to me and I, I can't use the words that they've used, but they weren't impressed by Warrington's first-up performance. Blake Austin didn't look fit, did he? He was heavily strapped on his tie. No. Why, why put him out there? Maybe nobody else. They've sold deck patterns, so who would they put in in his place? Well, I, I would put a, a young kid in 
because a young kid that's fit is far better than <laughs> whether it be a world beater player that's not fit because he won't last the full 80 minutes. That's for for certain. He did get a try, I suppose. He, he did he did cut through and get a try. You know, you, you you have to rely on the players. You have to rely on the physios, the medics, and the coaches to get it right, haven't you? Well, yes and no. Over the years, when you play, you're that desperate, especially the first game of the season. You're desperate not to let the fans down. So maybe the coach took a gamble. I thought it was a gamble. It didn't didn't come off. But let's not take anything away from Castleford. I, th- I thought their play was uh, very, very strong indeed. Yeah, they played well. They did. They played well. Right, that's the, that's the first round done and dusted. I, I think... As I say, all the signs are there that we're going to have a, a great season. Um, any other Aussie news, Steve-O, down there? I know Penrith are leading the way after the first three rounds. Your old club, you must be thrilled. I am. And they're playing exceptionally well. Remember, they they didn't play all that well in the grand final. I thought nerves got to them. Late in the game, they tried to get back into it, but it was too late. But this season... They know what to expect. There'll be no nerves when it comes to playoff time at the end of the season. They are a very strong outfit, and they are run very, very well by by Cleary. He's a great coach, a great coach. Uh, have they given you honorary membership? They probably don't remember who I am. <laughs> 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 so, listen, since I re- Retired. Uh, they've gone from strength to strength. <laughs> I wonder why. I wonder yeah, why. Well, you never know. Uh, <laughs> the big, the big talking point, the big talking point down here is is the fact that uh, Jared Hayne, of course, uh, the upcoming sentencing is a hearing on the May sixth. Uh, the judge has made it quite clear that he will be sent to prison for how long? Nobody knows. And there's a lot of pressure on the NRL to take away the Dally Messenger medals for the best player. Now, he won those medals in 2009 and 2014. And a lot of people are saying that if he does go to prison, then those awards should be handed back. Now, he has got support from the third-generation grandson of the great Delhi messenger, and he says he should retain them, irrespective of if he gets a jail sentence. He earned them, and he won them by right, and I suppose in many ways, I can't see why they should take them away from him. Well, no, um, I can see both sides of the argument, to be fair. Um, let's, not, let's not end on a, a dark note. Let's end looking ahead to the Easter program just very briefly it's the mossy masoi round steve in support of mossy's foundation there's no wigan saints derby on good friday for the second year in a row i'll always remember good friday eddie because that's when you retired <laughs> oh yeah it was it was that's two years listen, ago t- now flipping out listen talking talking of mossy masoi um trent robinson the uh, the roosters coach um was on television only yesterday the Men of League, which looks after injured players and retired players, and they have done a great job over the years. They have launched a support in Australia as well to give and donate to the Mossy Masoi Fund, 
which of course was launched last week in the UK. So the Aussies are working hard to make sure that, of course, he, he did play for the Roosters down here in Australia. And I think it's a wonderful gesture by the Australian men of league who have done magnificent jobs on injured players and retired players. And let's hope that we can get an absolute amazing amount of money because this man, Mossy Masoy, deserves our support. He'll need care for the rest of his life. And let's hope that we can donate enough money to make sure that him and his family are going to be very well looked after. I'm sure. I'm sure that the the rugby league family, as we always call it, will because the uh, rugby league cares and the benevolent fund up here have done a sterling job as well. So if them and men of league get together, hopefully, uh, Mozzie will have a, a decent enough future. And this weekend, Saints play Hull Kingston Rovers on Good Friday. Mossy's last two clubs. How fitting. Steve O, how's the how's the hair do? By the way, I I'm desperate to get a haircut. Um, lockdown has not done me well you know i look like a, a 1960s rock star at the minute i do hope that you do get it cut uh why don't you why don't you get your lovely wife to get the scissors out oh Surely no that's it yeah i mean no no i wouldn't trust her to do that i trust her to do everything else but i, I wouldn't trust her to sort out my locks my flowing oh locks. Come on, Carol. Carol, get those <laughs> get those scissors out. That's it. The biggest problem, Steve, and you'll love this, Robert Hicks, the referee. Long hair and a long ginger beard. <laughs> yes, I, uh, I did witness his, his effort. And listen, talking of referees, oh, there is a lot of problems down here with the merry whistleblowers. Uh, Ricky Stewart has been reported for allegedly abusing the referee, Henry Paramara, right? And they are claiming that Stewart dropped the F-bomb word on the sidelines when <laughs> he was venting his frustration over that forward pass from Nicarima to Murdoch Masilla when they were leading 31-10, and all of a sudden, the Warriors came back and pipped them with the greatest comeback in NRL history, 34-31. Now, Stewart walked out of the press conference after the game because he said, if I say anything about the referee, it will cost me $20,000. What a wise man. <laughs> well, the following day, the NRL boss, Graham Annesley, has admitted it was a forward pass and the referees should lift their game. How many times have we said we've had poor referees? And it's about time that they admit that they do make mistakes. But Ricky Stewart is not a happy bunny at all. Have a happy Easter, old boy, and uh, we'll get together again next week. Thanks for being there. Good to talk, as always. See you next week. <laughs>